Hi, my name's Cambria. My name's Megan. And I'm Madison. And we're the Glasses Gals. And today, we're going to be talking about the Sodder Children. Christmas Eve, 1945, George Sodder, his wife Jenny, and nine of their ten children, the oldest boy was in the army, went to bed only to be awoken when a fire broke out around 1 a.m. The parents and four of the nine children escaped. No remains were ever found of the other five children. For decades after, there were reported signs of the missing children all around the country. Meanwhile, speculation about odd events during and before the fire came up, with no conclusive answers. It should be noted that the fire department took many hours to get there, although they did not live far away. Some say that the fire department wanted George and or his family to die. However, it was Christmas Eve and the fire department was a voluntary one. Is it possible that they were understaffed or could there be foul play? One of the earliest sightings claimed the missing children were in a car that drove past the fire. Around 12.30 Christmas morning, after the children had opened a few presents and everyone had gone to sleep, the shrill ring of the telephone broke the quiet. Jenny rushed to answer it. An unfamiliar female voice asked for an unfamiliar name. There was loud laughter and glasses clinking in the background. Jenny said, you have the wrong number, and hung up. While going back to bed, she noticed that all of the downstairs lights were on and the curtains opened. The front door was unlocked. She saw Marion asleep on the sofa in the living room and assumed that the other children were upstairs in their beds. She turned off the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door, and returned to her room. She had just began to doze off when she heard one sharp, loud bang on the roof and then a rolling noise. An hour later, she was awoken once again, this time by heavy smoke in her room. A piece of burned rubber was found at the scene that may have been consistent with the names of a napalm bomb. The fire was not hot enough nor learned, burned long enough to create, cremate human bones, and yet no conclusive remains were found of the children. The insurance salesman, who had previously threatened George regarding a fire, was part of the coroner's journey that deemed the fire accidental. Private investigator Tinsley also heard a curious story from a Fayetteville man- minister about F.J. Morris, the fire chief. Although Morris has complained no remains are found, he supposedly confided that he had discovered a heart in the ashes. He hid it inside a dynamite box and buried it at the scene. Tinsley persuaded Morris to show them the spot. Together, they dug up the box and took it straight to a local funeral director who poked and prodded the heart and concluded it was beef liver, untouched by the fire. Soon afterward, the Sutters heard rumors that the fire chief had told others that the contact of the box had not been found on the fire at all, but he had buried the beef liver in the rubble and hoped that finding any remains would placate the family enough to stop the investigation. A later investigation turned up some shards of human vertebrae, but they were concluded to have been unlikely to be from any of the missing children as well as untouched by the fire, which is like 10 times more creepier if you think about it, because then you just kind of have human bones laying in your yard, which is fun. For years afterwards, sporadic tips and sightings came in, as well as at least one paragraph perpetuated to be one of the missing children, grown up to be a young man. Supposedly, it was Lewis, age nine, when the fire happened. The back of the photo read, Lewis Otter, I love brother Frankie, little boys, 
A90123 or 35. So how did the fire start? If it was intentional, who said it and why? And what happened to the children if they died in the fire? Why there were, were there no remains found? If they survived, where did they go and why did they never contact their family? Is it possible that they could have been kidnapped and killed at a later date? But then why not just leave them to burn in the fire? And if they were kidnapped, again, the question, who and why? There are too many unsupporting details and loose ends. Will this case ever be solved? The family's Christmas lights stayed on through the beginning part of the blaze. This would not have occurred if it was truly an electrical fire. Someone from the telephone company discovered that someone had crawled up a telephone pole and cut the phone line leading to the Sauter's house. People in the town claimed they saw missing children in a vehicle the night of the fire, or have seen them since. In 1949, the site of the house fire was excavated. Human vertebrae bones were found, but an expert said they could have come from only a human aged 16 to 23 and have never been exposed to fire. The oldest of the missing children was 14 at the time of the fire. A woman who ran a Charleston hotel claimed to have seen the children approximately a week afterwards. I do not remember the exact date, she said in a statement. The children had come in around midnight with two men and two women, all of whom appeared to be to her of Italian origin. When she attempted to speak with the children, one of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to me. Hey guys, it's Madison, and I'm going to be talking about suspects and similar cases. Someone in town had been trying to find work George Sauter could pay him to do and told George that he could fix his fuse boxes, warning him that they needed to be fixed or they would catch fire. The month of the fire, December 1945, some of the Sauter children noticed that two people in a car that would watch them on their way home from school. The family, along with some other town residents, believed that Sicilian Mafia may have taken the children and started the fire in an attempt to extort money from the Sodders, though no one has reached out to them to ask for money. Two months before the fire in October 1945, a traveling life insurance salesman tried to sell George Sodder a policy. When George Sodder declined, the salesman told him his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. Rather than the loss of business, the salesman told Sauter the cause of this tragedy would be the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. There was an eerily similar case to this one that took place in 1997. Lou Suvis was awakened during a fire in her home and went to grab her 10-day-old child. However, the child was nowhere to be found. Police told the woman that her child had died in the fire. 
Six years later, at a birthday party, Lou found a girl that had a striking resemblance to herself and her other children. Are the Sauter children truly dead? Were they burned in the fire? Or were they kidnapped? After the kidnapping, were they murdered? Or were they kept alive? Do they roam the earth to this day? The world may never know. Hi, so now that that little fun segment is over of all the cool and not really funny stuff, we're going to play some of the bloopers because we had a lot because none of us can speak. Anyways, here we go. Despite being alerted to the fire in as timely manner as possible, the fire department didn't arrive until nearly 8 a.m., roughly seven hours after the fire started and well after the house had been destroyed. Okay, no, but here's the problem. Have we ruled out ghosts as a source of the fire? Can ghosts start fires? That's the question here. Do you have any evidence that they can't? Do you have any evidence that they can? Touche. Okay, continue. Around 12.30 Christmas morning, after the children had opened a few presents and everyone had gone to sleep, the shrill ring of the telephone broke the quiet. Jenny rushed to answer it. An unfamiliar female voice asked for for an unfamiliar name. Aha! So there is a ghost. Megan, forget about the ghost. The ghost did not start the fire. We didn't start the fire. Copyright. Fire. There was loud laughter and glasses clinking in the background. Jenny said, you have the wrong number, and hung up. Tiptoeing back to her bed, she noticed that all the downstairs lights were still on and the curtains open. The front door was unlocked. She saw Marion asleep on the sofa in the living room and assumed that the other kids were upstairs in bed. She turned out the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door, and returned to her room. She had just begun dozing off when she once again heard a sharp, loud bang on the roof, then a rolling noise. An hour later, she was roused, this time by... A ghost! By heavy smoke in her room. Because there was a fire. Because somebody said it, and that wasn't a ghost, Megan. Okay, fine, I get it. What happened... What really? Oh my gosh! Stop! 